Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hey, so how are you? You're in L.A.? Yeah, I'm in L.A. Um, I'm doing okay. I mean, you know, I'm thankful that I'm able to stay home and just hang out. It sucks, but it's still like the best case scenario. So I don't know. How about you? I'm great in the sense that I feel really fortunate. I, you know, everybody in my family's safe and yeah, but I go through waves of the terror of the unknown of, you know, feeling like what the fuck, what does the future look like? I'm not saying anything that's groundbreaking, but no, I agree. I mean, I think this has been like such a terrifying moment because I mean, I, I'm starting to like accept my reality now. So I'm feeling like more like myself, but the first couple of weeks, I feel like I was just crying all the time and panicking and like having so much anxiety that was beyond any normal level I've ever experienced. Even if I think I have anxiety, it's like this has just topped everything. And, you know, it's just that really scary feeling of not knowing what's going to happen, like you said. Don't you think it's changed our psyche a lot when you're watching anything and you see people shaking hands or hug? Or oh, kids? my God, yes. It's like it, and it happened instantly for me. It felt like day three, I was totally highly aware. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you return from that, from having that little either. that little tug in your head a decade from now of like, oh, yeah, I really want to hug this person. Do wait. Do, wait oh. I know. But there are a lot of people like I grew up in Seattle and mm-hmm. people didn't really hug up there like. People just didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they hugged. Like, That's you, kind you of hugged, nice. Like, would, <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Totally. It's so nice. So when I moved down here and like I'm working with these new intimidating people and everyone's hugging me and it's mm-hmm. like, do we mean this? I don't know if this is a genuine hug or is this like I own you hug or is this like I'm going to fucking stab you in the back? Oh, what's happening with all these hugs? I kind of hate hug culture. So I'm like, if that is something that goes away from this, that might be okay. Because I I do feel like there are so many like disingenuous hugs that happen where you're just like, okay, now I'm hugging this weird guy who I just met one second ago. And okay, just weird. (laughs) So my tactic became I'm going to be the aggressor. Oh, the hug, the hug aggressor. <laughs> I'm going to take the power back. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I feel like I try to do that by doing the like handshake, like hand coming out and they're like, I'm a hugger. And it's yeah. like, you just, oh, yeah. you get screwed. Oh, <laughs> totally. Um, so you grew up in uh, Illinois, is that right? Like I have, yeah, I, have I grew up my... in Evanston. Get your notes together. I'm going. I grew to. up in Evanston, uh, which is right outside of Chicago, where Northwestern University is. But I didn't go there, and no one I know has anything to do with it. But I did see all the college kids my whole life, and uh, I still feel like they're fun. older than me because I was so used to like looking at them. So it defined your town, kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my mom's uh, was a um, preschool and first grade teacher, and she's retired now. And my dad is an architect. Does she have big, beautiful eyes like you? Oh, thank you. You have um, beautiful eyes. Yes, she does. Yeah, my mom has. Is it creepy when pretty. women compliment each other? No, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> so, okay, wait. Did you go to your ten-year reunion by any chance? No. What was your high school mascot? My mascot? Yeah. It was the wild kit because wild cats are northwestern. It really see it really is a big part of the town. Wild so we kids? were the wild kit. It's like a fake word, I think. But I wasn't like invited to my high school reunion. I found out about it like later on Facebook. And I was like, oh, I, I would have liked to what? have gone. Yeah. I don't know if you would have. I know. I don't know. I don't know. But I still felt mad that I wasn't invited. Maybe they just didn't have your kind. I yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know how it worked out. A lot of my friends weren't, so I don't really know. Oh, it sounds the like... The school's very a, big. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds like the cheerleader. Drama. Yeah. 
How do you think people would remember you? Oh, wow. I think they would say that I was like funny and would talk during class and stuff. That's kind of how I was. I I was I liked to like make comments and like, you know, throw out my sarcastic like thing. And I bet you got really good grades. I bet teachers really liked you. Yeah, I got away with a lot because I got good grades. So I think it was OK for me to be like yeah. a snide remark because I was still like doing my homework. I didn't have that. Did you not have good grades? I was like a 3.4 student, which is a very frustrating. It was like, man, I'm, I'm like a solid B plus. Like, that's just my station in life. (laughs) I was that a lot, though. I had years of that for sure. I think, like, I always had certain classes that would bring me down completely. Like, I I was horrible at math. So I did get a D in math um, one year, which was kind of insane. And that brought down the whole thing. I think I got a 2.1 in German 101 my freshman year. (laughs) Yeah. 2.1. That was my freshman year, fall quarter. But I had just, my high school boyfriend had broken up with me on campus and I went to college for for him because. Oh no. Yeah. How did you get through that? Not very well. 2.1 in German. (laughs) A lot of like, I would crash fraternity parties. I was devastated. But then as I got older, especially reading like some of my journals and stuff, which is a painful thing to do, which I've been doing during this because I've been going through shit finally. You know, that time in life when relationships, at least for me, were, they were not about the dude. It was like, I don't think I liked anything about him except that he was cute. You know, I remember I I like, I was looking through a journal and and it was like, I hate his fingers. I hate (laughs) his long artistic fingers. Oh my God. I love the things you can hate about someone you're dating. That's so funny. Like, ew, like you're like repulsed, but you date him. I definitely had that growing up. Like you just, I just wanted a boyfriend so bad. When was your first boyfriend? When I was um, a senior in high school, was my first boyfriend. So took a while. And how long did that last? We were together for like two and a half years years. Was it heartbreak? You know, it was one of those things where like we kept dating. He was a year older. So we were friends in high school. And then when I was a senior and he was in college, we started dating. And then we were together like into my college years. And it we were like long distance a lot of the time. And it really just was like one of those things where I think we just kept it going for as long as we did because we neither of us wanted to end it. But like we both kind of wanted to not be in this relationship. But It was like the, you know, the first person you're with. So it feels so important and like breaking up feels impossible. And I think there's that safety and security too, especially do you guys went to different colleges, I assume? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that thing of like, oh, well, I kind of like that guy, but I do have a boyfriend. Totally. It's like such a way to like protect yourself from doing anything. Right. Right. Okay. So what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, chocolate. Everything chocolate. What was your favorite children's book? Oh. Oh, that's a nice question. Um, They're not actually. Honest. I was just thinking about this the other day because this children's author died uh, the other day, and my family like loved his books. His name was Tommy De Paula, and he did a book called Stregonona. He had a few other ones, but they're kind of like, the t- like the yes, grandmother witch. Like, yeah, yeah. They're like these kind of Italian. I guess he's Italian, but we just loved those books growing up, and. I just saw that he passed away. So that's a good one to check out if you're All right. at home with kids. What was your favorite toy as a child? Mm, I had um, a few. I had, well, I think my favorite thing overall was I had a Playmobil dollhouse that was like this mansion that was like three stories. And I got it for Christmas from Santa, but my parents like put it together with my uncle and it was like really time consuming because it was like a trillion little pieces to build this house. And then I think one year they I got an addition to the house. So I got an extra floor put in (laughs) and I played with it all the time. It was like my favorite thing ever. I was looking on eBay for dollhouses because I want to do like a murder, you know. Oh, yeah. 
I well, I I collect miniatures. You this do is like something that I yes, and I I almost. My friend had found this like abandoned dollhouse in her alley and she took it in and was like going to fix it up and like re- like renovate it. It was like this whole big house. And then she felt like it was too much work. And so she offered it to me and I went over to get it. But it was like so big. I don't think I could have gotten it into my doorway. It was like huge. She had it in her backyard. And I was like, I'm just going to have spiders in my house now. and I'm not gonna be able to fix this thing. And it's gonna be a piece of shit. But I was thinking about just getting a new one and trying to do it myself because it would be a very fun thing to do. And now that I'm locked in my house, I kind of wish that I had. (laughs) What did you want to be growing up? I wanted to be a comedian. That was always my goal. Like I think from like elementary school is when I kind of realized that's what I wanted to do. And like doing like sketch comedy and stuff. I loved SNL and in elementary school yeah what were your favorite shows then I know you talk about this right yeah I have a podcast called Raised by TV that um it's it's now done but there are a few seasons of it and it's with um John Gabris who's hilarious and we talk about like old like 80s and 90s shows that we loved growing up and have guests on they talk about TV they loved uh when they were a kid and so I mean I loved everything I watched TV so much growing up I I watched reruns of like the Brady Bunch I mean it was just like everything under the sun um Saved by the Bell Full House all that stuff and Ninja Turtles. I feel like I can't even pick something that was my favorite thing because I just loved everything. It was truly like I was watching TV nonstop. My mom was mostly a stay-at-home mom. She worked for a bit and she was had very strict anti-TV policy. Oh, wow. So she went out to the grocery store. Like my brother and I would instantly turn on the television. We would put a bag of frozen peas because she would check to see if it was hot when she came back. Oh, wow. That's great. (laughs) But I was so into Golden Girls. Oh, my God. That's the best show. It created this environment of safety. Yes. The set design, it's, you know, and being in like super gloomy Edmonds, Washington, it was like, Florida, what? (laughs) On the lanai. Mm -hmm. I truly loved Golden Girls. I mean, that show like really holds up if you watch it now. Like it's a really well-written sitcom. There's this um, drag show in LA that's so great where these guys do Golden Girls episodes in full. What? Oh my god, it's so amazing. You have to go. We have to go. We, we have to go, go when we can. Oh my god. Like, I when would love over, to. Please, Lauren, can I take yes. you? Yes. Oh my god, it's so fun. And they play like commercials during the commercial breaks from the time <gasps> period. So you get to watch like really funny old commercials and stuff and it's so cute. Where is it at? It's at um what's that place called? It's Casa Oh, let me think. It's like a theater underneath this Mexican restaurant. Huh. Oh, I'll take one. All right. So you're, oh, you, uh, it's Casita del Campo. That is such a brilliant idea. Oh my God. It's so funny. And they do it just like fully sincerely. Like they just word for word. Are you watching Love is Blind at all? Oh yeah. I've seen it all. Yes. Oh my God. I have a recommendation for you if you like Love what? is Blind. Yes. I have, well, I have two. Okay. Married at First Sight, which not enough people watch, but it's really good. It's, okay. um, I think I've heard of this. Yeah. It's like people who literally are set up by a matchmaker and they meet at their wedding. They've never seen each other before. And they walk down the aisle and they get married and it's insane. And then they have to like be together and either decide to get divorced or stay together after like eight weeks. It's completely nuts. And then when I just started watching last night, it's called Marrying Millions. It's on Hulu and it's millionaires dating people who are not and just like the relationship dynamic. And it's really good. And it seems like they're in love. Is it like a like a gold diggery angle or no? No, like I thought that's what it was going to be. And and there might be some of that in some of the relationships, but it's not the focus. And it feels like they they maybe met through like a sugar daddy website or something, but they're like really in love. Like it's it seems more sincere than a lot of these other shows. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm behind on Love is Blind. But last okay. night I saw the episode where 
oh, what's her name? The long haired girl who uh, like um, oh god, I know Names, she's blonde. I'm not I know, gonna, not gonna the, retain them. I know, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. The one who's like 34 and she's yeah. dating uh, the young into guy. Barnett. Yeah. And she's in yeah, yeah, yeah. She's into Barnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they have that interaction at the part, the reunion part, whatever that thing is, like his birthday party. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, you know, whatever. Like, it's a painful experience to watch it. It's so painful to watch somebody in with overt desperation because you can't help but recall the times. Oh my God, I know. You know, but I was thinking, God, it'd be so cool to reenact that with another actor on stage just to do the whole thing. Oh my God, that would be hilarious. (laughs) Like the whole, (laughs) like, I really, no, but no, really though. Like, see you guys, like really, like you guys, like, you know, you guys are so cute together. Oh like God. whatever she was. I'm sure I've done shit like that in my life and it's humiliating. It's painful. I do really want to transcribe it though. Maybe we can do it together. I, I'm fully in. Maybe we can do it after Golden Girls. Yeah. We're going to do Love is Blind. We just get on stage. We have a performance for everyone as well. <laughs> were your parents supportive of you going into entertainment? Yeah, they were. I mean, I think it was kind of a natural progression in the sense that I started doing improv at Improv Olympic when I was in high school. And so they kind of like watched me like get more passionate about this thing and would come see my shows and stuff and then you know I was doing improv for a long time before I had like professional success and I think that was the part where they were like they were always supportive of me but I think they didn't understand how it would work like well how do you end up on TV like how do you well how's that going to work out like so once I started getting jobs they were like oh this is interesting oh she's she's actually in a commercial you know so it's like very exciting for everyone and they were super supportive but I think there was always that little bit of like I hope this works out. That could be really bad. (laughs) And you were an English major? Yeah. I was too. You were? Yeah. I don't don't know if I finished a... No, maybe I finished one or two books. But it's like... (gasps) How are you supposed to party with all the <laughs> workload? I don't know. Did you have a subsection of literature that you love? No. I mean, I, I chose English because I, I love reading. Like, and I spe- That was like always my easiest subject in school. I was always like, it was very easy for me to write an essay. So like that seemed like the easiest subject to major in. But I was really more focused on like being an actor. And I just wanted to go to college and have a degree. Like I, it, it mattered to me in, in the sense of like, my family cared about that. And so I wanted to do that. And I am happy I did it. But of course, it's of no use to me. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Me too. I I was there for five years and my parents were like, I think it's time for you. So I was like, how many credit? What have what, 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 what I accumulated? I guess English. Okay. <laughs> well, that was the thing. I felt like I never understood how college worked with like, I, I knew people who had to do like a thesis paper or something. And I was like, do I have to do that? Is that someone going to like tell me I didn't really graduate because I was supposed to have done like no one told me. And so I didn't do anything like that. But I don't know how some people end up having to do that. And some don't like, I think I just kind of skated through. I love that. 
Um, what was your first boss like? Oh, wow. I mainly was a babysitter. That was like the main way that I made money for years. Were you good? Yeah. And that was like my favorite thing to do. So I did try to have a couple jobs that were like not that. I wouldn't even say they are more real because they just required me to like go to a place and wear a uniform or something. But my worst job, I'll tell you, was that I worked as a caller on a boat dock, basically at Navy Pier in Chicago, which is like a big pier where there's like a Ferris wheel and things to do. What do you mean a caller? So I had to stand outside this like boat tour boat where they would take people on tours of Chicago. And I had to scream out like boat tours, 30 minutes on the lake, 60 minutes on the river. And I was really bad at it because I was so self-conscious. Oh, I feel like you were really good. I wanted to go. (laughs) There's no way it sounded that natural. I'm sure I was panicking. I was so stressed out by the job. Like I would go home from there. I was like 19 and I would go home and I would just panic about going again that I I couldn't handle it. So I think I only worked there for like a week and then I quit. And I I still went in and picked up my $100 paycheck and everyone there was like an asshole to me. But it was still like, that was like my attempt at having a real job. And then I was like, okay, now I babysit because I've always been good at that. And it's like safe and I can be in my own little world here. I think standing on the sidewalk or whatever and attempting to engage with strangers in an aggressive way, (laughs) friendly, I'm sure, but that sounds terrifying. Yes. It's brutal. And then there were some guys who were like, they've been doing it for years and they were really good at it. And they all made fun of me. Okay. What is your greatest fear? Mm. I mean, my first thought is like drowning. That's like terrifying to me. Yeah. Like I'm not a good swimmer. And so I get panicky in situations where I'm like out of my depth. You know, like I just feel like I can I can panic really quickly. I've gotten better at swimming over the years and also just like knowing my limits. But one time I was like with a boyfriend in Hawaii and we were with some friends and we were going to hike and then swim to a waterfall, which I was skeptical of. But then I was still going to try to do it. And a lot of my swimming stories involve me like being like, I can do it. And like, I can't like I just like tell myself like, I'll just go for it and that'll be fine. And we like hiked all this way. And then like everyone like jumped in the water and was like swimming. And then I jumped in and it was partly because it was so cold, I think, but I was truly so panicked and I couldn't touch the bottom of the thing and I was like just hyperventilating and then like freezing and couldn't move and it's just so scary and I ended up sitting on a rock for the whole time you know there's just a lot of stories like that (laughs) um what is the fear you had when you were younger that you no longer have okay this is one eating weird foods like when I was a kid I would cry and I would I mean up until pretty far in my life. Like I would be like really anxious about eating something unusual. And into college, I would say like, I didn't like the idea of going to a restaurant and having to like figure out what I was going to have. Like I just like was very picky. So the idea that I would want something on the menu seemed really hard to, you know, guarantee. So I think through college, I was like really picky and would eat barely anything outside of my like general wheelhouse. And now I pretty much try anything. But that's been like the last few years, I would say. Was that like, did your mom have like kind of my mom? Mom is picky. Oh. But my dad would eat anything, but we always like made fun of him for being like that. Like it was like, we would always say my dad would eat dirt if it had enough ketchup on it. Like we were just like, he'll eat anything. It's like, he doesn't care. And my mom like would not want to eat a blueberry. So like, I think I always had that perception of like, oh, well, that's the stuff that I eat is like this little amount of things, this little, you know, these options. And it's crazy to want to eat all the stuff that my dad would eat. So I, I, I think I had that mentality. But as I've gotten older, part of it was just out of like necessity. Like I have to like go to dinner and like not be weird. Like <laughs> I just have to eat this. Like I don't want to go to someone's house and like panic that I can't eat the food or something because I'm like a baby. Like that's stupid. So kind of pushed myself and my husband like really helped with that too because he was just like you're gonna like sushi just eat it and I was like 
oh, I don't know. And he's like, just eat it. And like, then I love sushi. Like, yeah, just fucking grow up. I want to ask you, how did you and your husband meet? We met on a sitcom. Um, we were on a show called Clipped. Clipped on TBS. Yes. And I was married before. So I was married at the time. And so we were just friends. And the whole show, it was only 10 episodes, but it was kind of dragged out over like two years because we got like a pilot and then we had to wait a year to shoot the episodes. Then, you know, we shot them. Then we had to wait for them to air. So it was like, we all were kind of hanging out as a group for a couple of years during that time. And so we got to be friends through that. And then I got divorced and then I dated him and then I married him. I love it. <laughs> and that was yeah. 2018? Yeah. Do you like the sitcom format? I mean, I know you love watching it. Was it like- I love it. I love multicam. Do you, I mean, you? I assume you do as well. I do. I do. I have a lot of thoughts about it. We're about yeah, yeah. to, you know, well- Assuming that things, but we're gonna we'll be on our eighth season next wow. year, which is feels dizzying. That's amazing. Yeah, it it is crazy. It's been such an amazing job. I do think it's deceptively difficult. Yeah, with its precision. Totally, you have to be just right, and you can't mess up. Like you have to do it exactly the way you practice and exactly the way everyone's expecting you to. Creatively, it doesn't always lend itself to a ton of exploration within mm-hmm. a line. You're there to serve the piece, and you know. Your fellow actors. So that part I crave. I, you know, and I love playing really fucked up people, but I love the live audience. Yeah. I love the speed. I love that we're working like on the floor all the time, like solving the puzzle together of like, okay, why would I cross to the fridge? Why the fuck would I cross to the fridge? You know, just stupid. Yeah. But it's fun. It, I feel very, very lucky. Yeah. I love it too. I mean, I, my first job really was a multicam and called Are You There Chelsea, which was Chelsea Handler's sitcom on NBC with Laura Prepon. It was like short-lived as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, that was like my first pilot I booked and then it got picked up. And so it was really exciting for me. And I feel like I have such a, like I find such comfort in doing multicam because it was like my first thing. Like I felt like I started to understand like how TV worked from doing that job. So I love any chance I get to do multicam. Yeah. And it's one of the few things that feels like it shoots here, which is, yeah. not, you know, because you can still have your whole life, too. I mean, that is like something that's really important about it. The schedule is much better than working 12 hours a day on a single cam show. I was thinking yesterday about loneliness and I was thinking about like going on the road, you know, that hotel room isolation. Well, as we think about isolation a lot now, it feels very specific. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking that I wanted to ask you about one of the lonelier times in your life. Oh, yeah. Let me think. I mean, I got a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What kind of lonely experience can I tell you about? Well... And a working example, I did um, the movie Holmes and Watson with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. It was like in, we shot in London, which was like really exciting for me to get to go and live in London for like three months. I was really excited. And they put me in an apartment and that was really cool. Like, oh, I get to be in my own apartment in London. Like, this is awesome. And like, you know, in a lot of ways you can't complain, but it was winter and I was alone and I wasn't working most days. And so it was like getting dark so early. It was like freezing out. So you didn't want to walk around. And I just would like be by myself. I mean, and that's fine up to a point. But then like at a certain point, it's like, okay, my podcasts are my friends and everyone, you know, at home is on a different schedule. So like I can't talk to them till late at night or whatever. And I'm like, I was starting to lose it a bit. And I think I got a bit depressed doing that. I mean, that's one example. I think getting divorced is lonely. And that's like on like a core level where you're just like, what is life? And yeah, it's a very different kind, but I know those like long walks of like, what should I do? <laughs> huh. 
I guess maybe I'll, I'll go walk for three hours that way. Decide if I whatever. want to go into that museum. I don't know. Oh if God, I, do. I know. I went to so many museums alone. I was like, I don't even care about this. This is just like, like something to do. I know. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite sick slash rainy day movie? Oh, my favorite movie of all time. I have well, I'll have two for that answer. Big is my favorite movie of all time. And then About Time is like a really great movie for crying, which I feel like is. I don't know about time. Do I know about time? <gasps> oh, it's so good. Who's in it? I it's don't know if I've seen it. Rachel McAdams, Donald oh. Gleason, which Does I just learned how to pronounce his name. Die in the beginning? No. No. This movie is like Does she his die the dad end? dies. <laughs> Does she die? I just need her to die. Um, his it's a movie where like Donald Gleason's character finds out that his family has like generational time traveling abilities. So like the men in the family can time travel. It's so good though. It'll oh my god, you should watch it though. It'll okay. make you cry. Okay. It's very emotional, but, but do um, I want to cry? I, mean, I, I, I could use a cry. I have a hard time crying. Do you? Yeah. Do I you do. hold it in? No. Or do you just not it doesn't come? No, I don't even let it like creep up in any way which I think is really unhealthy so then little things will get to me like a commercial or like a song or something you know like every once in a while that'll emerge but I don't think it's very good for me and it's hard to do it acting too like I'm just I find it hard with acting yeah oh my god oh I was doing a scene with Emma Stone in the house bunny and which is a ridiculous movie to have a crying scene in <laughs> but we have a crying scene and it took me like 30 minutes at least I had to like tell the director like I'm really sorry I just I need like some time like I know that we're in a time crunch but I just I need like a few minutes I have to really so then I was like pacing back and forth in the dark and I was like thinking of my darkest thoughts oh, yes so we do my coverage and then we turn around for Emma Stone and she's like texting on her phone or something and then they call action and she looks up and she her big beautiful green eyes are just welling with tears that's not fair. I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, but I think I it's like I think it's like your coverage. <laughs> you could do it with a, you could do it yeah. with a wall. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like I've had that moment so many times where I had it in Jurassic World because I was supposed to be crying like at these people like dying on the screen, and I was thinking like of the worst things I could picture in my mind because I'm looking at nothing. You're looking like, at yeah. I'm like, trying to picture like the there's worst a thing in the world. Your face. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I can't even think of it. I'm like picturing fires like burning people I love, and I'm like it's not doing anything. It's not real, and it's just this crazy. And then they blew the like menthol in my eyes, which doesn't even work on me. Like, I mean, that's like not fair. Like that needs to work because that's just like a great trick. So eventually, I don't know what happened. I got something. I think I got my eyes to well up a bit. And I had to do one recently on a show and I just told him right away, like, just put tears in my eyes. Because it's supposed to start with me sobbing and I was like, and they were like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and try to sob. Like, we got it. Like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's very hard. But some people are really good. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard is somebody who can cry instantly. Like, she can just point to an eye and like a tear pours out. It's amazing. Do you think you have a lot of access to your emotions? Well, that's the thing. I think that I haven't. And I think I'm getting better at it over time. But I used to like not be able to scream. And I think that's like another one of those things where I was like, I couldn't scream. Like I would be in my car and try to scream and I couldn't scream. It was like, okay, something is like so locked up. And now I can. I think it had a lot to do with like going through my divorce and like going through a lot of hard things. And then it like unlocked like a lot of things that I was keeping inside. Like I still have a hard time crying on command. I can't do it. But I used to have a hard time with even like laughing. Like there were like oh laughing things is so like hard that for me. I, I, yeah, it is hard. A genuine. And I laugh? still think it's hard. Yeah. Oh my god, it's still hard. But I think I've gotten better at it. Like I used to be like I just can't. Like in a scene, like I'm like I, it feels insane. There's something like yeah, 
I don't know. I know. Alice and Janney, she uh, she told me she because she's really good at fake laughter, it, unnervingly so. <laughs> but she did this play where she had to open the play with five minutes of full laughing every night. Her character oh, is that's... just belly laughing. So she told me that she would pretend that she was punched in the stomach. So it would get like a huh. Like a, so she was trying to teach me like, like, so it starts out off with like a, like you have to exhale from your diaphragm really quickly, like a, (laughs) 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 mine was like half fake and then became real. Oh, you just reminded me of something though. What? When I first moved to LA, I interviewed to work for Allison Janney. You did? um, Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, uh, the job was like, I went to her house for the interview and I didn't meet her, but I met someone who worked for her who was interviewing me Alana I don't I have no clue this was like 10 years ago and I just like met this person and then didn't get the job so I didn't retain much of what happened but I remember going to her house which I thought was really exciting and then they interviewed me in the backyard and they were I think the job was going to require me to like walk the dogs and then possibly run lines with her in her trailer and it would have been very fun but I didn't get the job (laughs) but I love her yeah no she's she's fantastic and I bet if she was there she would have loved it well, you know. Okay, to whom would you most like to apologize and why? Mm. Oh, that's hard. I know. I think this question, I don't know if I could answer it truthfully. I don't want to. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. Because- <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a lie, if that works. I mean, I feel like I would, I, it's not a lie, but I, I definitely have people I used to be friends with that I'm not friends with anymore that I would want to like have a conversation with and see what went wrong and like apologize for whatever they thought I did or something. But a lot of relationships that ended in that way for me, I don't fully understand why it happened. Like we just like stopped being friends and like maybe there was a couple weird moments, but I don't really know what it was. And maybe there's something there. Do you think that was more on your end or was it like a natural just distancing after moving or whatever or or jobs? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Sometimes friendships like can't withstand like life changes like I think there's that like you have those people where like when everything in your life is a certain way your friendship like works perfectly and then the second one of those elements changes it's weird now for some reason but it's hard to like put your finger on and I feel like I don't know like I I think about some like situations I have and I'm like oh I wonder if they like blame me for why we're not friends and they maybe hate me but then, then I think well I don't hate them and we're not friends but I don't know why we're not but I don't hate them. So I don't know. Maybe they have the same feeling. It's just weird. Yeah, I know. I, I've I've drifted away from a lot of people. But it's not intentional. It's just things right. sort of Right. It's just happen. like it's life, I guess. But but I do get, sometimes I'll get texts from people saying like, hey, what did I do wrong? Are you mad at me? And I'm like, I'm 43 with a child. And I, I'm not, now I'm, I feel slightly annoyed with you. I wasn't mad at you before, but I don't have time to call you and now deal, I have to with deal with my with guilt. <laughs> Totally. Okay, what is the trait you most dislike in others? Mm, Passive aggression. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I'd rather people just say whatever the thing is. Yeah. I just read this article about whether you're an asker or a guesser, and I still am going to probably get the definitions wrong, but... It's kind of based on how you were raised. If you are more likely to be very direct and ask for what you want and just say, well, the person can say no if they don't want to do that. Or if you're more likely to say, to kind of like say stuff that gets the person to do the thing that you want without directly 
asking them so that you never really put them on the spot, but then they kind of do the thing that you want, you know? Yeah. It's kind of complicated, but like it's whether you're someone who's just going to go like, hey, will you do this annoying task for me? You can. And then in your mind, you're going, well, you can say no. It's not like they have to. But the person feels like, well, I kind of have to do it because they just asked me directly. So now I have to do it. And so you're kind of backing people into things, which I think I'm more likely to do. And then there's the version of like, I really need someone to help me move. I wish someone would help me. And then you're like, oh, I'll help you or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think that like, I'm, I'm probably everyone's on a bit of a spectrum, but I think I'm more likely to be an asker than a guesser. And I think guessers annoy me more, but I think asking might make me more of a dick. Like, I don't know. Like, there's but maybe kind of you both. don't ask a lot, though. I feel like you're probably very self-sufficient, so you probably wouldn't ask. That's true. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ask often. Like I'm not constantly putting people in that position, but yeah. Okay. What is a trait you most dislike in yourself? Mm, I think, um, I interrupt people. (laughs) Sure. I've done it to you a bunch. I, uh, think that I can, I guess I I sometimes worry that I can be self-centered. So I try to work on not being self-centered and, but that's something I feel self-conscious of later. Like if I hang out with someone, then I'm like, Oh, I really only talked about my stuff for that whole time. Oh, God. You know, it's hard. I feel the same way. But then I think, but I was super funny and interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Um, What do you consider your greatest achievement? Mm. I mean, on one hand, I would say like, oh, well, I feel like I've achieved a lot of my goals in life. So I feel really like satisfied by that. Like, oh, that's so cool. Like I got to like do the thing I always wanted to do. And then that doesn't feel like enough for like, I don't know, my biggest achievement. Like I think my biggest achievement would be like my relationships with my family. But that also sounds kind of like a corny answer. But I do think that's more what I feel. Like I feel happy with the dynamics of my family and that like I love them and want to talk to them all the amazing. time. I think that's amazing. I think that's huge. I really admire that. I feel like I'm supposed to say having a baby, but really, scary movie three. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, you know. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. In one word, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, I think funny. I think that's all I really would care about ultimately. I don't know. She was funny. Yeah. (laughs) What can we say? Here's some dirt. Like, it's like one word is hard, but I know, I, that was I always my life goal. So I guess that's what I would like. I would like people to remember funny things I did and like still laugh at them. Mine's going to be noble. Oh, great. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> she was noble. <laughs> yeah, mine Trailblazer. is honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to do deal breakers. Okay. Imagine that you're single. He's a registered sex offender, but it was for public urination. Oh, that's hard. Because yeah, he has to walk around and tell his neighbors and everything. Uh, yeah, but it is like a part of his like voter registration. Oh. And he just wanted you to know before you like looked him up, like Googled him or whatever, and came up like, hey, is a criminal record. If I Googled it and found out that he's, that is true and that it wasn't anything else, it might not be a deal breaker. Would you ask him about it? If I found it first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, but let's say he tells you, yeah, it was no big deal. Um, It was like in college, my friend was passed out on the lawn and so I just peed on him and the cops caught Um, me. 
I don't love that behavior, <laughs> but I, <laughs> if it was a long time ago, that one might be okay. But it's still sick because then he's still a sex offender. That's that's disgusting. It's that's gonna, a problem. It's yeah. If your friends start looking him up too, like there's a lot of it was public urination. I know. If it doesn't say that on the website, then it might be a deal breaker. If it says it on the website, then I'm less worried. Okay, so this is a different person. Okay, good. Okay, so on your second date, he says that he would never ask a lady how many people she slept with, but he does want you to know that he has a pretty robust past. That's on a, what date is this? A second. I think it's a deal breaker because it's like gross to say that. Like to, it's not, <laughs> like it's not a conversation that we're having where we're sharing that information. He just is telling me, I don't want to know about you, but I've had a lot. And so that seems gross. And I just don't think I like that type of person. Yeah. Who would like want to tell me that and also not have it be a two-way conversation. Yeah. Uh, he's taking a trip next summer to find the Loch Ness Monster. No. Deal breaker. Are you sure? He tells you that, that, his, sucks. that his grandpa saw it before he died in the war. No. You don't want to go to not- Scotland? <laughs> I'll go. I don't think so. I don't know about that. Because if you're taking it that seriously, we're going to spend a lot of hours just sitting staring at a lake. Yeah. No. All right. So I think there was a no for all of them. Was it? I think I let dude slip. Yeah, you let dude slide. All right. Yeah, all yeah, right. yeah. Okay. I wanted to, um, I'm, so I'm cleaning out my closet. It's mm. awful. It's an awful, awful chore. It's worse than the Game of Thrones puzzle that we've been working on for two weeks. Oh, my God. I love puzzles, though. Oh, it's so hard. I've been doing puzzles since before the quarantine. Now everyone's doing it. And I'm like, oh, now you like puzzles, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. You're so brilliant on the earliest show. Do you guys still do that at all? No, it was a limited series, but that was very fun. It looked really fun. What a great concept, too. It was a super obnoxious morning show. I know. So it, it was like a funnier die series for anyone out there who doesn't know. And you can watch it all. But then there's an hour long blooper reel on YouTube, which a lot of people like to watch. That's I've seen it. It's a fucking hysterical. <laughs> oh, thanks. I love how frequently your character looks into camera for like approval for like the, like <laughs> the connection. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, my God. It was so fun. I just love playing people who are just complete idiots, but they're so confident. It's just great. It's the best place to be. So in terms of your improv background, what I've noticed about you, I assume that, that you know, one of the tenants is, of course, like say yes and be generous and, and like follow the story or the stronger story, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. And you are exceptionally good at that. Oh, thank you. Because, I, yeah, I can tell. Even if the idea isn't strong, like I, sometimes I think like you want to explore something else, but you'll pivot towards generosity and you're so swift. It's just amazing. Truly incredible to watch. Oh, thanks. So nice. Okay. So you're, so you're in the, the wrong Missy with David Spade. Yes. And it comes out in May on Netflix. Yeah. How did you yeah. like working with David? Oh my God. I loved it. Have you, do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. He's yeah. so awesome. Um, I loved it. I mean, I like have always loved him. He, he's honestly always been one of my favorite comedians. So this was like so exciting for me. And when I got the audition, I was like, oh my God, it's David Spade. Like I was like so excited to have the opportunity. So to get to do it was really cool. And he's so funny. He kind of like lived up to all my expectations of just being a cool, funny person. He kind of is exactly who you would think, right? He's very wry. He's, you know, he sort of says everything with kind of a secret smile or something. Like he's constantly bemused. Yeah. um, At like just sort of life circumstance or something. But yeah, no, I really, I really like him. Yeah. He's so funny. He's great. He always gives me a lot of shit. It's like Ferris. Yeah. And then he'll start like 
ragging me about like I don't, I don't know. But I like it. He he was really nice to me, but he does make fun of me, but I but not you know, it's like what you want him to do. Like totally. I don't know. Like I feel like I'm like, "Oh yay, it's happening." Yeah. And we both like watching The Bachelor, so we got to watch The Bachelor together, you know, with other cast members and stuff, and that was always very fun. So, I'm excited for people to see this movie. Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, now we're going to call one of our listeners and attempt to help them. Okay. Hi, Gemma. This is Anna Ferris, and I'm here with, well, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm um, Skyping with Lauren Lapkus. Hi. Hi. Uh, really, really great to be talking with both of you. Oh, uh, well, thank you for doing this. So how are you guys doing? We're, we're doing okay. Things are, things are okay. So Gemma, tell us what's going on. So what's going on with us is um, my husband and I have both been um, laid off of work temporarily due to COVID-19. And we have two small children. I shouldn't say small. My son is seven and my daughter is two. If I said my son was small, he'd get mad at me. Um, (laughs) But we are all on top of each other all day, every day. We're definitely not used to this. And I am asking advice on what you guys think we should do so that we don't end up killing each other by the end of all. Oh, man. Yes, I know. It is. Oh, it's so tough. And I wish I had the perfect answer. (laughs) I just read this article in um, the New York Times this morning about how this uh, opinion writer was letting us off the hook in terms of screen time with kids. He was basically like, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, thank God somebody says that. Because my seven-year-old, yeah, he he loves, you know, Minecraft, like all the all the stuff. And yeah, so so that so on my end, that that element's easier. Michael, my partner has two teenagers. That's a little trickier because his daughter just got her driver's license. So she's antsy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I was thinking last night, as I go through these waves that I think everybody does of sort of in intense fear or intense anxiety in terms of we, you know, we just don't know what's going on and it's all feels like, you know, day by day that changes. Like, so things are really, have really ramped up in terms of anxiety. The two-year-old would be really tricky for me, Gemma. You probably can't even like get things done that you want to get done. Like if you have some a drawer that you want to organize or something. Oh yeah. Every time I try to clean the house, two seconds later, it's, it's straight back to a mess. 
And then in like in terms of like say like I remember I was thinking about that the other day, like having to, you know, just everything that's within reaching level for a two year old and just following them around and everything. Oh yeah. Oh She's man. Tiny, but she can get into stuff. <laughs> and I'm sorry about you guys getting laid off. I, I hope that that is only temporary. Yeah. Luckily for both of us it is temporary. Good, good, good. And then how are you and your husband getting along? Um we're okay. It's it's definitely not easy. He likes to kind of spend a lot more time on his computer and playing video games, which is is not my preference. I would prefer that if we're gonna we're, we're not gonna get this time back, you know. So if anything, I think that we should be spending time together as a family. But it's extremely difficult with our two year old who doesn't allow for playing board games or anything that involves pieces because she'll she'll be straight at him. Overall, my husband and I are we're okay. Um, definitely bickering and more fighting than usual. I think just because, like I said, we're we're just on top of each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think my feeling is like I have tried to really accept that this is not normal and that this is a traumatic experience for everyone like going through this. And so, helping myself. Um, not panic more. I, I think it's been helpful for me to not put uh, expectations on myself of like things that I should be doing or like ways I should be using the time. And I do think you're totally, your instinct is so great to like want to connect more as a family. It's so, watching my friends on Instagram alone with just with their two-year-olds, I'm like, this looks so hard. So I really, I really feel for you because I can't imagine how you were able to not go crazy with that like all day, every day and not being able to leave the house much. And But I think just kind of trying to take off the pressure of feeling like it has to be something it's not. Yeah, that's a great point, Lauren. I feel like I go through periods where I'm I'm really I feel really affectionate and loving and like and grateful and like cozy and safe. And then I'll kind of swing over to the other side of like, I feel like these things need to get done. And why isn't it like I'm like you can't even pinpoint why you feel caged mm-hmm. except that we are <laughs> absolutely i completely agree with that i want to do all these projects in the house and my husband's like no i want to get stuff done and i want to do it together i need his help with stuff and he's like no I'm gonna play my game <laughs> i totally feel you on that i, I was thinking last night in bed I, I was i was thinking like because i have the same i think we all do mm-hmm. it's like this is the time to get organized yeah. and i i tore apart my closet. I have, oh God, Gemma, I have stuff from high school, like <laughs> underwear from high school wow. that are like granny panties that my mom bought. Like I, I, it's, it's so overwhelming of a project. But last night I was thinking, you know, why don't I just chill? Why don't I just chill for a minute? Like not everything has to be put away. Right now there's just two of us. So when the other kids come back, it's, I know I'll, I'll start to feel like I got to clean, you know, just the stuff that I, and I wish I didn't have so much of that element in me. Because I can't even apply it when I have I have it, and I just look at the things that stress me out, and I don't do anything about it. I just feel it. That's the exact same way. <laughs> but Gemma, I wish I had like a brilliant tip, but I don't. Like, I don't know, take up knitting. <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> you know, with a two-year-old and a seven-year-old. No, um, I think, truthfully, Gemma, I feel like if you can have a lot of sex. Hey. It's not a bad idea. That's kind of been non-existent, too, at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the libido's a little low. Well, two-year-old <laughs> is kind of the, that is the perfect age for the the low sex drive between a couple, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
because it's just so much work. It's so much. Mm-hmm. They're adorable and amazing, but you're sort of over. Like you're you're kind of adjusted to you know a new baby by two, yeah. You know, so it's it's like you know, all right, well you're adorable, but mommy and daddy need to go bone. Yeah, we we have our own time. But uh, Gemma, you know, I, I guess the, the lame things that you probably, I'm sure you already know, like talk to friends, get in touch with people. Yeah. Um, I think it's really hard to cajole your husband because I, I don't want you to, to get into an argument about it, especially I think it's really hard to talk to people when they're playing video games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe ask him like, hey, you know, after the kids go to bed, I would love to um, snuggle with you. And I, I just, I want to just feel close to you. I'm this experience is making me a little anxious and and I really just I want to feel close to you I want to feel close to you again yeah I think it would be good to communicate yeah but it's all about timing you know yeah yeah and I think you can say tomorrow can we do something together I know that's so fucking hard though with two kids (laughs) well yeah I realized like I was kind of my husband plays a lot of video games too and I was kind of going like hey will you do this chore like will you take out the garbage and then he would feel like I was like making him do things in the middle of something he was trying to enjoy and then so I started saying hey when you feel like it would you do this or that and then he was like hey I really appreciate that you said when you feel like it so it's not like I have to like get up right now and do this thing because you said oh that's nice communication (laughs) yeah he's very communicative which I appreciate because I'm not as good as he is but there is the idea that maybe you could say when you know when you feel like you have some time tomorrow maybe we could just turn off the tv and do some like hang out as a family and maybe try to play a board game with your older kid and let the little one run around or something but like let's just spend one hour like doing something together and I don't really know what that is because I don't have kids and I don't know how to entertain them but (laughs) whatever that can be for you guys whatever you like to do you know yeah I think that's great advice oh you know what's kind of fun for a two-year-old well that was the when we were in the land of plenty but I used to let Jack like I would put him on the kitchen floor put a bowl of like a small bowl of flour let him crack an egg into the bowl and just let him like play with it with his hands when I would be like cooking something. And then we would put some food coloring in it and just like stick it in the microwave and like this most disgusting blob. (laughs) But I think like for kids, especially to be able to get a little tactile and like, you know, messy or dirty or whatever. Mm -hmm. But as far as your husband, Lauren, you brought up an interesting point. And you're recognizing that your husband, you know, was like communicative. Like, I really liked it that you said that. That's such such positive reinforcement. And I think, unfortunately, Gemma, if if you guys don't communicate as well as Lauren, <laughs> not, I'm not bragging. This is a, but, it's been very painful. <laughs> but, <laughs> but people can pick up on behavior. If like you notice something that he did that was like really helpful and then being like just saying like, hey, thanks for doing that thing without even making it about anything else. But like praising certain not behaviors. Like he did something. Yeah. Yeah. And not being like, and you know, yeah. you don't, you never do that. So I, you know, don't say anything like that. Just being like, oh, that was great that you did that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You're my yeah. hero. My dad told me that before, um, that I need to spend more time praising the good, because then the good will happen more. But when the things that I want to happen don't, I just kind of go, I mean, my, my the women in my family are kind of known for being a little bit crazy. <laughs> so I think I just need to maybe communicate with him more and just praise him and acknowledge the things that he does do right or do, I shouldn't say right, 
because I feel like I, sh- I shouldn't be saying he's doing everything wrong. But <laughs> Right. I know what you mean, though. And if you can resist it, don't do the things that maybe you've asked him to do. Maybe let them yeah. slide because if you do them, you may that might build up, you know, the resentment list, which yeah. um, I think as women, too, we have a tendency, at least I learned this from my mom because I, I recognize it in myself. I'll ask somebody to do something and if it's not done immediately, I'll huff and I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like without considering that that person might be in the middle of something. Me too. That's totally me. And I'm like, mm, I guess I did the dishes again. And it's like, well, you didn't even give him a chance. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true that it might lead to a very messy, chaotic house. But, you know, maybe this is the time for that. Maybe this is the time to not organize, to not do all that stuff, to not have like one more thing stressing us out. Like. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I think we have to, we all are all looking for control. And so then we mm. try to control everything mm-hmm. that's in our house because it's all that we have and trying to suppress like this weirdness and craziness and, and the anxiety and anger and frustration. And yeah, so the, I think Gemma, you are speaking for millions and millions and millions of people. <laughs> and I don't know if that's of comfort <laughs> or not. <laughs> it, is, it is a little. <laughs> But I think it's the time to be extra gentle. I love it that you called us wanting to talk about this because it is a very common problem. And I'm sorry that, you know, your husband isn't as maybe the partner that you that you want right now. And maybe you can like late at night or or early in the morning or whenever you guys have that brief moment together when you're brushing your teeth or showering or or whatever, maybe you can like just like sit him down and and uh, and just say, hey, I know that my anxiety is manifesting itself in these ways. And I, I need your support maybe more than on a different level, maybe more than you think I do, right? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now. Yeah. I think that's nice. I think that that would help us a lot. I think maybe me also respecting the things that he would like to do with his time while we're off would be a good thing for me to do as well. Yeah, you know what? I th- I think so. I th- I think you should a- you know ask for some time too. You know, yeah. I would say, honey, I really need from two to four today. I need from mm-hmm. two p.m. to four p.m. today, and then I would lock yourself in whatever quiet space you have. And just, like, get, like, a good crime novel or, you know. Mm-hmm. I would take that time to just decompress for you and tell him, like, this is really, really important for me right now. Like, I'm kind of, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and I really need this time. And you don't have to say you get your time. Don't go to that area. Just say what you need, you know? Well, I think one thing that's kind of like crazy about video games is that like guys can just turn on a video game and they're still in the room. So it's like as if they're like hanging out. As if they're doing, right. Like I I pull up here. So like it kind of gives the impression that like they're there. 
but like they're not right so like when you want your alone time it's as if you have to go i want to go in the other room and read a book which is like separating yourself but it's the same thing as playing a video game because you are not available and they're not available when they're doing that mm-hmm. totally and the kids probably i'm sure Gemma, your kids probably know that when dad's playing the video game they're not going to really get much attention so they go to you yes yeah it's like you know how on those nature shows when the male lion like is kind of chilling like up on the hill and the, the females all have to go like, you know, hunt down some baby antelope or something and <laughs> drag it back. And the male line's like, thanks. Thanks, bitches. Right. Thanks. Thanks for leaving me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And please know that this is, oh, God, you're not alone. You definitely have a tougher case than a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know there are so many that are in the same boat right now. It just, I, I, I just want to say to those people who, who don't have children, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, enjoy this. Well, this time. Just enjoy it. Just have fun. That's right, Lauren. I, enjoy I, it. <laughs> I, I truly like, I want kids very badly, but I have been during this time being like, okay, it's okay that that hasn't happened. That's okay. That's okay right now. Just for this moment of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. My, my husband and I both work in extremely, extremely social jobs. So to, to just be with, um, and, and we followed the rules 100%. And so I think we're all just, we're just going a little stir crazy. Yeah. 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 But it's an intense time. Yeah. I think I would just tell your husband exactly how you're feeling when you feel when you're not super anxious, you know, and it's not like I wouldn't recommend it like right after the two year old has like a fit or something, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it has to be a very calm, rational conversation. But I would I would just tell him like, I miss you. And we're here together. Yeah. I miss talking with you. I miss you. And I, I really would love to be with you. And I yeah. want to be with our kids. And and they, you know, I, I wouldn't, I was going to say, and the kids are going to remember this, but I don't know if I would go there because I, I don't want you to put pressure on yourself to do big things necessarily. And I don't want yeah. him to feel like it's guilt either, you know, because then that, yeah. so I, I would just say, yeah, I miss you. And I want to watch this stupid show with you yeah. or um, let's read a scary story to the kids or, mm-hmm. you know, let's really freak out the kids. <laughs> I like how this is all about freaking out the kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Gemma, thank you so much. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for opening up. And I don't know if it's of any comfort that it feels like we are on this journey in different ways. No, it does. You guys have you guys have helped. It does help to talk through it, especially since I don't get to see other people. <laughs> it's nice yeah. to talk over the phone with somebody and really get an outside perspective. Gemma, well, I love you and thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Gemma. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, now we're gonna talk with Bree. Hey. Hi, Bree. It's Anna Ferris. Hi, Anna. How's it going? Good. I'm here with Lauren Lapkus. Hi. So, Bree, tell me what's happening. Um, so for probably the last couple months, I've been tossing the idea around of asking my sister to be a bridesmaid when I've been engaged for about two years and I had made the decision from the beginning that I would not ask her to be a bridesmaid because I just, I cannot rely on her. I question her sobriety very frequently and it gets confirmed a lot that she is not. And she made a huge scene with our engagement party. When she found out she wasn't going to be a bridesmaid, she said she wanted nothing to do with the wedding and just 
totally blew it out of proportion. And then when our engagement party came, my mom kind of made her go. And my sister showed up three hours late, stayed for five minutes, only said hi to our parents, and also showed up like she was going to a funeral. So she only stayed for about five minutes, didn't even introduce herself to my fiance. She hadn't even met him at this point. And um, she knows my maid of honor, didn't say hi to her, and just left after about five, ten minutes. She's made no effort. So so she's clearly, she's hurting you. Yeah. And that could be because of her addiction. She, you know, she probably feels like a failure, at least she thinks that you view her as a failure. So she's ashamed. And I think a lot of times when people are ashamed, they have a lot of irrational anger. They get childish. Yeah. Shame brings out like a childish element in a lot of people. And she she may already be a little childish. How old did you say she was, Bree? She's 26. She'll actually be 27 this month. Our uh, engagement anniversary is the same day as her birthday, which was part of I think uh, an initial issue was the engagement happened on her birthday. But like I had said, my fiance, he had never met her before. He had no idea it was her birthday when he did it. Oh, yeah. That's a stupid thing to be angry about anyway. Right. And she later we had got into it and she's like, I wasn't mad. Me being me, I'm like, I, you know, tone doesn't translate through text. So I really thought you were because you weren't sounding very nice. So wait, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. How does your mom get along with your sister? Um, my mom actually was the one who asked me to ask my sister to make her a bridesmaid. And I told uh. my mom no. And my mom understood because of how unreliable my sister is. Yeah. So your mom understands. That's good. Did she still yeah. like, kind of do that mom thing, though, where she sort of pressures you a little bit? Yeah. Normally, I would be like... Well, you know, just have her be a bridesmaid. But I don't know. I feel like from what you've told us, the likelihood of her bringing a shit ton of drama and you being distracted, you being either worried about her, wondering where she is, like, what is she up to during your wedding feels unfair. And does your fiance have an opinion about it? He has a very strong opinion. (laughs) There have been several incidents where he said she's not invited to the wedding. Mm. For example, she lives with my grandma and we went to go see my grandma on Christmas and my sister kind of just said hi in passing and then came back out with presents while she was on the phone, gave a present to me, gave a present to my fiance and I opened mine. It was a little Victoria's Secret perfume, which it was okay, cool. I'm like super happy. I didn't expect anything. And my fiance wouldn't open his present until I made him. And it wasn't until we left that he told me why. And it was because the gift was addressed to someone named Brandon and his name is not Brandon. Oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> so that's how much she knows about him. It's not even a re-gift. What is that? That's like right, a theft? Right, we don't know. <laughs> or like she thought that was his name. I dated a guy named Brandon a long time ago, so I don't know oh. if maybe oh. the drugs have everything in the same guy. I I was told oh. not to ask her about it, so I'm not. <laughs> she's clearly resentful and angry towards you and probably towards most people in her life, right? Because she's living yeah. in that space. Yeah. Weddings are so ripe for all kinds of dramatic freakouts. And if anyone's going to do it, it sounds like your sister will. Yeah, this is really the only dramatic thing I'm having. I mean, I have eight bridesmaids already, but everything's going really smoothly and great. Like I've given myself plenty of time to make sure we plan and we can save. But like I even invited her when I first went looking at dresses. I told her specifically we're at this place this time. I would love for you to be there. She never showed up. And so I just sent her pictures and she goes, oh, my God, I totally forgot. I missed my reminder. But you know what sucks about that, too, is that that's what you remember from that. Yeah. You know, that sucks that you were waiting for her. And that's what you have to prevent. I want you to protect yourself on that day. 
there can be other times, whatever, where, you know, you can feel more generous. Yeah. But I think this is a time when you should be selfish. And I hope your mom doesn't make you feel guilty about a, a choice like this. I don't think she would. We also have an estranged relationship. Oh. So. Oh, I hope they don't team up against you. Oh, no. This has okay. actually been really great for me and my mom's relationship. It's had just the opposite oh, good. with my sister. So. Okay. I mean, it's so hard because I think one thing that is really challenging about having a family member like that is that even her absence is dramatic. Yeah. Like even her not being there is going to be part of the day. Like, well, and she wasn't there. And so there's almost no right answer. Like you don't know what she's going to do or say and how she might affect other people who are there. Mm -hmm. So it's so hard. I mean, I, I definitely know what this experience is like from various people that I know and, even a friend of mine who got uh, his brother recently got married and their sister is, you know, always wreaking havoc in various ways in their family. And first she said she wasn't going to come to the wedding. Then she said she was going to come and they were all like prepared for that. And then she only came to the rehearsal dinner and, and left drunk and got really upset at everyone. And then she didn't come to the wedding. And then that was still a conversation. So it's like these people find a way to be the center of attention, even if they're not there. So. Yeah, we're going to have a pretty big one. So And you want to have a great time. You know, having a big wedding is great, too, because then if she's not there, it might not be that big of a deal to you. And you might be able to fully like be immersed in the situation and not get worried about it and be consumed. Mm-hmm. I would say I love you so much. I love you so much. And I would love for you to be there. The problem is I'm going to be worried about you that whole day. Yeah. I'm going to be worried. And and she'll be like, what the fuck? It's so fucked up. I'm your sister. I'm just, whatever. Right. She'll pull all that shit. And you can say, I know, I know. And I want us to have a great relationship. And I'm afraid we don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. It's not as great as I would like. We've really never had a great relationship. That's part of the big problem. That's why I didn't ask her to be a bridesmaid from the beginning. Yeah. But she's kind of made it worse where like, I really do want her there. I just don't want to give her any chance to be part of anything. So that way she can just kind of be a wallflower. Mm-hmm. With her drug abuse, she will stay for probably uh, the ceremony and five minutes to the reception. I'm worried that you can't have it both ways. Yeah. I don't know. She seems like she's not going to be a wallflower. She will resent not being a bridesmaid. Uh, if you do ask her to be a bridesmaid, it sounds like she might make the other ladies crazy. Yeah. yeah. And she'll make, she might demand just a, a lot. And who knows if she if she would be happy now that she's been rejected. Does it feel like a bone being thrown her way? Yeah. I, I would ask some of your bridesmaids. I would ask your maid of honor. Did, what did she have thoughts? So that's why I came to you is I've talked to all my bridesmaids. <laughs> so I oh, no. You. What did they say? I've talked to all my bridesmaids and they all agreed don't make her a bridesmaid. Just absolutely not, especially after I had asked her to come, you know, look at dresses and she just completely, it fell out of her brain and just, you know, acted like it wasn't a big deal. And that was after I had told her she wasn't a bridesmaid and she was still invited to that and she got really excited and then she didn't show up. Well, that's the thing. It's like you can't rely on her to to do what you need. So it's so hard to say like, oh, she should still be a part of this in any way because you don't know if she will do the the little bit that you want, just showing up for yeah. a little bit, which might be nice to you. Oh, she shit. might not do it. She might be in a bad mood that day or miss it for some other reason you don't know yeah. and never understand. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Oh my God, I totally feel like I'm flip-flopping, Brie. No, it's fine. <laughs> this is my. This is what I've been dealing with. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so God, hard. Now I'm totally flip flopping because because I was thinking like fuck up what it's what it's like to be a little sister and your big sister is getting married and she has all these best friends and and how intimidating left out that must because Brie I'm a little sister if you can't tell <laughs> no not at all <laughs> <laughs> but there there is another option where you could ask her to read a poem or something or you know give something very specific because if you guys have never really gotten along and you don't necessarily envision a a really, uh, I'm just worried about her fragility now. Yeah. Oh, I, first I was worried about your happiness, Brie. Now I'm worried about little sister. I think I'm going to be surrounded by enough amazing people that day that if she is being even a slight drama, I have enough people that would just tell her to go home. Well, that's good. You're so right. Would you consider maybe asking her to play her harp and and sing? <laughs> I know, but the problem is there is that she sounds like the kind of person that cannot be a wallflower in any way. So, mm, yeah, yes, and no. <laughs> she's going to be resenting the bridesmaid. Like, I'm just wondering if throwing her a bone in terms of a little bit of attention, like a little poem to read mm-hmm. or something like that, that I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to be. No, that's actually a really great idea. She might be down for a poem. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just like make it really short. Yeah, I mean, that could be good. <laughs> Roses are red. <laughs> Yeah, but that could be a solution. But I would start by calling her day and just say, hey, how are you? How are you dealing with everything? Like, what are you watching? Like, maybe casually open the door that way and then she'll feel loved by you. I mean, as a younger sibling, I was constantly looking for my brother's approval. (laughs) And I would resent him for that. My my need, my desire for his approval, I would resent him for that, which wasn't fair to him. Yeah. But I think it's pretty normal. Okay. Oh, man. And Brie, I really just, I'm like, don't invite her. (laughs) Well, give her a poem. But that's the thing. (laughs) But these relationships are so complicated like that because you do, you love the person. So you have the instinct to be like, I want her to be there. And then the other part of you is like, well, they shouldn't even be allowed to come because it's so, it's so important to me. And so it's so hard to decide what to do because you, you, you're going to know her forever. So you, you have to deal with the consequences either way. And it's just such a hard decision. I mean, like I'm not being helpful, but I, I feel you for sure. No, but it's, it's. nice to have someone to relate to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe like asking two bridesmaids, hey, would you like sort of, you know, just constantly keep tabs if if there's any like, you know, they'll know what to do. Yeah. But maybe like specifically assigning like two or three of them to just keep constant tabs or whatever, like if they don't mind. Yeah. No, they're all awesome like that. Okay. Two bits of advice, practical wedding advice. Okay. (laughs) Okay. One, make sure to, before the toast, eat, like go through the line first. If you're doing buffet, I don't know if you're doing buffet or sit down. We're doing a buffet. Yeah. (laughs) Ask the wedding coordinator to make sure you guys go through first. For oh, yeah. Sure. Get your plates, eat as much as you can because once this toast start, you have to sit there because you can't be shoveling. It's, I mean, I've learned from experience a couple of times, brief, <laughs> but it's very awkward to be eating while someone's saying a bunch of nice things about you. Right. That's one bit of advice. The other one, oh, when you're like your parents' friends are like coming up to you and you can't quite remember exactly who they are and you like, you don't want to talk to them about like whatever you did in sixth grade or whatever it was, just hit the dance floor. Yeah. You and your new husband just dance. It's the best way to avoid conversations at a wedding. Oh, it sounds like a great plan. We will be down for that for sure. <laughs> oh, are you guys going on a honeymoon? Oh, yeah, we already have it booked, provided this uh, virus stuff doesn't go too much longer. We're going to go to Kauai. Oh, oh fabulous. Super excited. That was my other piece of advice was like, if you can afford a honeymoon right after, it's it's so great because I know the temptation is to kind of put it off, but 
it's so nice because there's always this, you know, the day after Christmas feeling after a wedding. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we've been oh, focusing all our energy on this. <laughs> well, congratulations, Brie. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Hey, Brie, thanks so much. I love you. Oh, I love you guys, too. Thank you so much. I love both of you. Bye. I love you, too. Bye, Brie. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank you. What are you going to do for Thank the rest you. Of well, day? I have another podcast actually after this. Oh my gosh. I have a new podcast um, that I've been doing called new- Newcomers, where Nicole Byer and I watch Star Wars for the first time ever. Cool. I think we've done all the main um, canon stuff. So now we're moving on to like the side things and whatever. And we kind of go out of order a little bit, but. I have to watch Rogue One tonight, so that's going to eat up a long time. It's a very; those movies are very long. All of they're them? all over two hours. Like the every and they I don't really? know why. Like I'm like, you, yeah, they're very long. Maybe they're just long to you. <laughs> I think that yeah. is the thing. I feel like they're very long, but they're also long. Were you moved by the first one? Um, no, I was very bored by the first one, and then I eventually started to care about some of them later on as we're watching. We started to find things that we loved about them, but like Jabba, yeah, we like Jabba, Yo. Uh, we started to care more but at first we were like this is going to be a huge undertaking because we both were really bored by the first one so but it's been fun we have on guests who like care about the movies so they kind of balance us out a little bit oh before you go do you have a favorite joke oh I do have one that I just learned and it's become my favorite joke I just someone just told me this a hairdresser that I was working with and then everyone in the trailer was like I've known that since seventh grade and I was like well I never heard that one okay so the joke is I'm going to ask you a question and you just say yeah okay have you ever smelled mothballs yeah How'd you get his tiny legs open? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, Lauren, thank you so, so much. It was very nice talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye, Lauren. Bye. Thank you so much. 